A week in the week. A special. I think it was extremely validating because you have that moment where you're like, all right, okay, so I'm not just weak and, and pathetic and I'm not, you know, a hypochondriac, that there's something legit and medical here. The, the only sort of downside being, of course, that there is no cure. A week in the week. A special. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Natalie Crawford. And I'm Selena Jackson. And this week we have a very special guest in the studio, the one and only Katie Johnson. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming in to speak to us. No, thank you. Honestly, thank you for having me. So for anybody that doesn't know, this month is Endometriosis Awareness Month. That's for the whole of March. And Katie has for the last couple of years now. Well, do you know, it it feels like it's been years and years, but it's actually, I only got my diagnosis in April of last year. So it's really been quite a quick sort of turnaround from from being on my sick bed to doing a lot of campaigning. So it's just under a year. So Katie, for just under a year, has been doing a lot of campaigning around endometriosis. And you just said there about your, your diagnosis. So talk to us, first of all, about how it came about. What were your first kind of initial signs and, and symptoms like that something was wrong? Well, honestly, so endometriosis is a condition that... Um, it's quite secretive. People don't really know much about it. Actually, like something like 20% of people in the public don't even know what endometriosis mm-hmm. is. And it affects one in 10 women. Basically, um, the sign, the main sign is painful periods. And and, and I think that's probably why we, we kind of suffer in silence for so long. Because number one, nobody wants to talk about their periods. Um, it's a real sort of stigma mm-hmm. that we need to kind of work out because it's, it's shocking. Um, but also, you know, you don't really know... You kind of we have this way in our culture where we think we should just be able to get on with it. It's something every woman goes through. Like, why am I any different? Why, why can't I hack it? Like, why can't I handle this pain? So I think for years I just kind of put what I was going through down to a kind of variation of normal and something that I should mm-hmm. just be able to pick myself up and and and, and get through. But um, you get to the point where you're you know every month kind of rocking up to hospital demanding morphine because you can't cope with it. Mm-hmm. And, and planning your life around around sort of days out of the month where you where you can't function, can't get out of bed. And that all sort of came to a head. Um, I was studying for a postgrad at university and I just like got to the point where I, I, I couldn't move. I was housebound for a period of um, a couple of months, just over just over eight weeks. And I just I actually couldn't walk without anyone supporting me. So um basically just slapped in the uterus with like incredible <laughs> amounts of pain and and that was it and 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 yeah I kind of just ignored the symptoms for years and years and years until it all came to a head. Do you know what's really bad though because I remember me and Katie did our postgrad together mm-hmm. which is lovely to be back <laughs> together but um I remember there was a day that you came in and you were like I've been really struggling like I threw up on my way to uni and we we're like oh god like that's really bad period yeah. pain but I think probably shamefully a lot of us didn't really think it was anything worse than just really bad periods because yeah. I think people are so precious about talking about them. They're just like, oh, it's just ladies' troubles. Like you just think, you know, some people have bad periods and that's just how it is, which is terrible. Like you were really, really suffering. And obviously it took you going through so much to actually get that diagnosis. Yeah, and we trivialise it constantly. And, and, and you know, I, I still like, you know, kind of, oh my period oh PMS kind of memes and things like that it's, it's good fun but also like no I mean there is a line that you cross where you have to go mm. I have to no I can't function this this is a real issue and it's it's more than just kind of painful periods it's all the things that that go alongside it like you were saying that the nausea um uh, fainting uh, chronic fatigue and, and 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 painful sex you know and and IBS I mean it's like sex poo periods all the things <laughs> that make everyone uncomfortable all I mean, the things yeah. you get squeamish talking about absolutely yeah. And, and and yeah, it's just so that's why I've just made it kind of 
my my thing to to keep talking about it because I was so quiet about it for so long and and it's it's you know impacted so many aspects of my life things like fertility um if I'd spoken up about about what I was going through a wee bit earlier we might have you might be in a, a better position than I, I could be in now so um yeah and, and it's like not like we we didn't chat about everything you know, yeah, you know exactly. any, no subject was off the table mental health kind of yeah. you know political debate we were just we, we would talk yeah, about everything we had a great group, great group of girls even that we were so open and so close and we did talk about everything like that but it just I don't know if it was a lack of awareness or whatever and you just thought oh it's just she's just having a bad time yeah. with her period yeah. like it's it's a, it's so obvious when you think about it now that you're like no that was something a lot more serious yeah. going on but so did you feel maybe like a wee bit redeemed almost like you had a wee bit of redemption when you finally got that diagnosis and you were like okay this is more than just I can't go with my period I think it was extremely validating yeah. because you have that moment where you're like all right okay so I'm not just weak and and pathetic and I'm not you know a hypochondriac that there's something legit and medical here the, the only sort of downside being of course that there is no cure which is a bit of a kind of oh right so we've mm. got, we've we've got here now, and 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 actually, you know, it took surgery to officially diagnose what was even happening. That's still a huge thing. That that sometimes it will show up on a scan, but nine times out of ten, you do have to go under the knife before they can can find endometriosis. So you've already by this point, when they do tell you, you're kind of out for the count. You've gone through mm. a, a huge operation, and you're just thinking, right, aha, so I'm cured. Uh, no, uh, another operation. You know, more MRI uh, scans all the time, and and I was put on medically induced menopause. So I mean. At, at 22 uh, at the time that was that was new yeah. um, and we've interesting all, we've all seen the video that you did for BBC The Social what, what, where was the point for you where you decided right this is what I'm going through and I'm going to put it out there well I think it helped that I was studying a postgrad in journalism so I was kind of you know we were looking for stories all the time mm-hmm. and I sort of suppose in the most awful way that this sounds dreadful but I kind of thought well this is something no one's talking about this is yeah. a, this is an exclusive this is happening to me <laughs> which is it, it's it, you know whatever but but life gives you lemons and all that so mm. I, I wrote about it um for a local paper about my experience and what I was going through and it was very cathartic actually just to get get what was happening out um you know out there and then I sort of quickly realised that, hang on, like, like I say, we were all quite switched on. We all kind of talk about all these big issues all the time, but yet we're not talking about periods and this affects one in 10 women and we're not speaking about it, what's going on? Um, and so just started documenting my journey and then sort of created the, an Instagram page, which I mean, an Instagram page isn't going to change the world, but you know, it starts a conversation. Absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, and now there's like 3,000 of us all chatting and sharing stories and, and, and just... Yeah, discussing this this condition that's been silenced for way too long. And that led me to kind of get invited to speak at Scottish Parliament and join in some amazing campaigns. So it's been, you know, amazing. And it's so nice to see people messaging and saying things like, this has helped me or sharing their advice, because I don't claim to know, well, you know, half of the stuff that's out there about this that could be helping people. But the comments are a magical place because you sort of put something out there and then people offer their advice, they, they resolve things amongst themselves and it's just amazing to see that there's a community for that. And were you surprised how big the community was? Obviously this is something that you've gone through very privately and very quietly yourself but now you're realising actually how common this is, was that something you were quite shocked by? It, it was amazing, it was just that way, even when it was just a really really small 
group. It was just, yeah, I was, I was, how are all these people out there? How have all these people been suffering, uh, you know, without mm. me? No, without, I mean, I felt very selfish again. I'm just like, how did I not see this? You yeah. know, when I clearly, if you look on the, on the symptom checkers on Endometriosis UK's website, you know, I had every single one of those symptoms for, for years. Um, and we're all sort of, we were, we were living in this void of, of, you know, lack of information and, and there are people there out there. And that's the one thing that was crucial to, to me kind of taking ownership of what this condition and what, and what's, what's done uh, for my quality of life. You know, it was just so crucial to, to see that there are people out there that are going through the same thing and have, have achieved immensely, you know, amazing things um, in spite of, of, of the pain that they're going through. And do you think that's the, the linchpin in all of this? It's just that we are too afraid to talk about our periods. Yeah, and I do think it's getting better, though. I have to say, like, I'm not totally negative about it. I think that when I was... Even at school and uni, there was more, much more of a stigma around talking about periods. And I do think it's shifting. You know, there's amazingly powerful movements going on right now with the, the period poverty conversation. People mm. are not afraid to talk uh, about about menstruating, about, you know, tampons. I mean, yeah. stupid things yeah. like that. You remember hiding your tampon up your sleeve when you went yeah. to the bathroom and things <laughs> like that? I don't think it's the same yeah. anymore. Um, well, as much, which is, which is great. Yeah. Because not that long ago, it was definitely a thing. It's so yeah. daft as well, because you're like, you know, I know the majority of females have a period like it's not something to be ashamed we make of up, like, just just over 50 percent of the population uh-huh. and yet this is still something that yeah. we're not comfortable talking uh-huh. so it's like why should you about... be ashamed of that it's just a normal part of biology and a normal part of most people's lives like but it was definitely something that was very taboo and i think to an extent still is but i'd agree it's definitely getting better i mean yeah don't get me wrong there still are people that, that message in and say things like even their partners have said things to them like can you not hold it in I mean, I'm sorry, what now? Can you imagine? Oh, and you see all these horrible posts on Facebook about you only menstruate if you've got poison in your body and all these horrible... Oh, they're, they're sort of Adam yes. and Eve, this is your uh, sin kind yeah. of... Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, I mean, yeah, and there are some ridiculous... And, and, and you know, obviously, I mentioned it just, just before there, that one of the things is, is painful sex and, and that's the kind of thing that you wouldn't know unless you... Kind of, you, you, how would you know? You only have your own experience. Mm, but yeah. people and my and my support group that I've made have 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 said things to me like doctors have prescribed bottles of wine <gasps> to them to sort of just you know have a wee drink and it will be okay. Yeah. And and oh god, that just made me feel a, a bit ill to be honest. Because mm. how is that advice yeah, <laughs> for no. anyone, especially from a medical professional? And that's that's what we need to tackle because it's that kind of mentality that that shuts people up and keeps them. Mm suffering in mm. silence and and it's just out of order that's something i was going to ask do you feel like you've got a different response from other people now that you actually have the label for it that you're like this is a diagnosed medical condition do you feel like people take it more seriously rather than just being like oh she just in her period i do i think that it's it's mentally it helps to have a diagnosis because you know like i say that you're not a hypochondriac that you've not mm-hmm. been kind of fabricating this this whole thing um and it does help to a certain extent with people but you're still met with kind of Oh, uh, what's that? Or does a hysterectomy fix that? Or my auntie had that, and 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 you know, she was just kind of she just whinged about her period. It wasn't that bad, and mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's I think because people still don't really know what endometriosis is. It's not necessarily as helpful as 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 it might be for other things to just have that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, psychologically knowing in yourself that that this is valid this your experience is valid and 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 people are out there that are dealing with the same thing it 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 does help but yeah I think there's still so much ambiguity around endometriosis and what it means and people can't quite wrap their heads around the fact that this is chronic pain and and there is no cure 
And some days I'll look like I'm totally fine and capable of anything and other days I won't be able to move from bed and Mm. that's just it and that's reality. So we're talking about tackling some of those misconceptions. So for anybody that's listening to this and they're like, what is endometriosis? What actually is endometriosis? Okay, so endometriosis is when cells that replicate those that line the uterus are found elsewhere in the body. So they can form sticky clots and adhesions and and just kind of create a real mess um, inside. And, you know, they can, scarily enough, they can form kind of anywhere. I mean, there was a case of a woman who had endometriosis. She noticed that she had a recurring cough on her period and she had endometriosis on her lungs, which is, I mean, terrifying and and very, very rare. Mm. But it's not confined to kind of your abdomens is what I'm I'm trying to say with that. Um, And, yeah, so every time you ovulate... It's like, I imagine it like, imagine it's a tank and every time you ovulate, the tank starts to fill a little bit with kind of blood that's trapped inside Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. and it doesn't get that opportunity to flush away like a normal menstrual period would. So that was what was happening to me. I started my period when I was uh, 12. Uh, So from that point until when things came to a head when I was 22, that tank was just filling up and filling up and filling up. And by the time they actually went in to have a look inside, I had several cysts on my ovaries my bowel was fused to my uterus and my right fallopian tube was expanded to the same size as my womb and it was just catastrophic and basically all I want to hammer home when I speak to young girls is that you know if you're going through anything that sounds remotely like endometriosis you have to go to the doctor because what you don't want to happen is what happened to me where there are now question marks over kind of everything to do with fertility and Mm. and you know I basically just gave my body a really hard time when mm. I could have maybe, if I'd spoken up earlier, it wouldn't have been so bad by the time they did go in. So what was the, the treatment method then? Because you touched on it a wee bit before. So what they did for me was, you know, obviously it's, it's up to yourself what you want to do. You, you, you know, my surgeon was really good about it. He sort of said, this is what I recommend, but, but you know, it's your call ultimately. And um, they put me on a course of... Um, drugs well injections that that stimulated a sort of medically induced menopause basically the idea was that if I couldn't ovulate for nine months which is it's just finished now actually and mm. um, then then my symptoms couldn't get any worse maybe my uh, system would get a chance to recover basically from the trauma and mm. um, so that's what I did and it was bizarre because I had all the symptoms of a menopausal woman you know uh, hot flushes the lot and uh, night sweats and forgetfulness it's a real thing (laughs) your your mum is not joking Um, and it was bizarre but it gave me that chance to restart my life essentially Mm -hmm. I mean I was housebound couldn't move and then all of a sudden although I was menopausal I I was able to go back to uni mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm taking ages to finish this course <laughs> but you're doing it which is yeah. the main thing and you've got the chance to actually do it now which is important yeah and 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 do amazing things like like just get up and function and I think I'll never ever ever take it uh, take that for granted again I'll never sit and go oh oh it, I, it, it's been given me an immense sense of clarity in terms of my mental health as well because I just think oh my goodness I'll never be back to that point again you know I never take it for granted and got to start living kind of thing. So if somebody's listening to this we know what endometriosis is now what symptoms should they be looking out for? I think that the the glaringly obvious one is 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 the painful periods it's kind of consciously negotiating looking at a calendar and going, I know I'm going to be on my period at, at this point and therefore I need to have no plans. I will not. I know I won't be able to leave the house, I won't be able to function, I won't be able to do X, Y and Z. 
that's not normal. <laughs> if your period stops you from getting up and functioning, then there might be an issue there that you need to address. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, IBS-like symptoms, if you're really struggling to go to the loo, you know, <laughs> yeah. there could be other things wrong, but um, but that's one of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, just, you know... St- even off your period, this is when I, when things got really bad for me. It was it wasn't a cyclical thing. It wasn't monthly. It was daily, um, stabbing pains in my abdomen, um, a compulsion to vomit. Mm. I actually gained and lost two and a half stone in the space of like two three months, um, which was yeah. And and you know what? And I know I shouldn't say this, you know, but I was. I put on a lot of weight just before my graduation photos and then I lost it like really, really soon after and I was really, really ill and there was a, an awful part of me psychologically. I was like, I was like, this is great. Why couldn't I have been like this at my graduation yeah, yeah. photos? Like I'm looking fab and people would tell me, Katie, oh my goodness, mm. look, you've lost so much weight. You look fantastic. Mm. And I'm like hiding the fact that I'm being sick six or seven times a day and can't like, mm. you know, it's really, really bad. And I went to the doctor eventually because I was like, this is ridiculous and I had to kind of confront my what was happening to me which was a definitely some sort of disordered pattern here that I was going I look so much better this is amazing but I'm being really ill yeah. and I went to the doctor and then the first thing that the doctor said to me was um are you doing it intentionally do you think this could be bulimia um <sighs> and I said no categorically n- no yeah. um I, I you know I have no control over, I wish I had control over this in a sense because then I would know what was going on but mm. this is just so scary to me mm-hmm. and I've ignored it because I have that bit in me where I was like good job you're looking yeah. amazing you can get in those jeans again mm-hmm. and it's so that's another just twisted component of the whole thing but then eventually I got a, got a referral because of the weight loss so things like that watching for fluctuations in weight the painful sex thing is one as well but I sort of how do you know what's painful sex if that's all you've ever experienced you know mm-hmm. only after surgery did I realize yeah. that it that it felt different yeah mm-hmm. um uh, but but if it's if it's uncomfortable then there could be something something going on there. So that's what I'd look out for. Do you think there's a, a perception, not a perception, do you think doctors' attitudes need to change as well? Because we're talking about raising awareness with women and girls, but that's a couple of times now you've said we different things about doctors just not getting it. Totally. Um, and I think that, I think about all the times in the past when I presented to doctors uh, with pain and, and I did speak up, you know, tentatively before it got really really bad before it was crisis point and it was things like try an ibuprofen we'll change your pill I was on the pill for I had quite bad skin growing up so I was on the pill suppressing Mm -hmm. probably these symptoms for a long time you know different contraceptive methods this and that never we'll send you for a scan until until the weight loss Um, and and then things like I, I kind of people always say to me oh or, or do you think that female doctors are better because they get it? I mean, obviously, this is just, it's not its not a gender issue. It's just a human issue because mm, some people mm-hmm. would be really understanding and empathetic and other people just wouldn't. Some women, some female doctors have said to me, like, basically implied that, that they have periods too and they get on with it. So come on, G yourself up. Yeah, why can't you do yeah. it sort of thing? Yeah. Exactly. And, and you sort of go, when you go to the doctor and open up about anything, you expect a kind of understanding ear, someone mm-hmm. to kind of say to you, at the very least, I'm here and I'm listening, and and you kind of get that oh, right. Okay, so it's 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 periods, right? Okay, and mm-hmm. um, ibuprofen, and and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I feel so stupid. I feel thick. What is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And, and and it compounds the issue even more, and you're more likely not to speak up again. It's a huge issue. And huge. obviously, you're you're doing everything that you can to raise awareness of this. But one in ten women, that's an, an awful lot for it not to already be something that's in the public 
domain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Endometriosis UK said say on their website that it's 176 million women worldwide. And, and, and actually I was at a conference with them a little while ago in London, a research conference, which was amazing. Um, and they said, actually, it's closer to 190 million. And, and, and you know, and, and actually, you know, that if it is not just... It's people that have experienced it, people that... It's not just people who have uteruses, people that have had hysterectomies, you know, people that are trans people. It affects mm-hmm. so many more people that are just not talking about it. It's it's endlessly frustrating. And yeah, like you say, people aren't talking about it. People have kind of kept it under, under wraps for years and years. And I was just kind of thinking about all the celebrities that have it and, and kind of aren't, you know, obviously one in 10 people, some of them are going to be well-known. Yeah. Um, and people that maybe kind of could be giving this condition a voice. There's so many pe- amazing, uh, you know, kind of influencers, if you will, that are speaking up mm-hmm, about it mm-hmm. now, but they haven't really had that ability before yeah. Before now. Um, people like Halsey, she's very open about her experience. Mm-hmm. Lena Dunham, um, you know, Emma Bunton. So many people are, are sort of gradually coming out mm-hmm. almost and saying, I actually went through this or I actually had to, Michelle Obama, I had to have IVF to conceive my kids, you yeah. know. That's a huge deal. We would never have expected a former first lady to talk about yeah. that kind of thing before. Um, but historic cases like Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. we don't, we never, we hear about Marilyn Monroe, the, um, you know, kind of dramatic diva that she was, yeah. never turning up on time, sleeping yeah. in, missing this, missing that, you know, this troubled woman who, you know, there's evidence that she went in for an operation and had taped a note to her stomach saying, please, please don't remove my ovaries. I'm desperate to have a child. And that was her eighth or ninth surgery for endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody spoke about that. They just painted her as a hysterical woman. And yeah, she rather than a woman that's going through a kind of chronic a pain. Chronic yeah. Exactly. And oh, she never showed up on time. Aye, because she was probably stuck in her bed, unable to function and, mm-hmm. oh, and, and addicted to painkillers. Yeah, sure. I'm... I, <laughs> You know, I am on a cocktail of drugs every day just to function and get out of bed and, yeah. and it's not sustainable, but but that's where we're at. And you just think, oh my goodness, we're so kind of, we're gradually waking up to it now and that fog is gradually shifting that sort of taboo. But how many women went before going through this mm. that, that weren't that lucky? Yeah. And if there was an iconic figure like Marilyn Monroe that had felt able to speak out about her experiences, then how many people would have not got to that? Not gone through Stage. that same process. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so important. I mean, I know it's just so important that everybody going through this does does raise their voice. And that's why March is good because it's Endometriosis Awareness Month. So people mm-hmm. are sort of a little bit more, you know, their ears are a little more, more pricked to listen to these kind of things. People are more willing to talk about it because they feel like there's momentum behind this month and and there's a hashtag and it's actually ridiculous but it, it does help yeah. the power of social media i mean can come in very handy yeah. with things like that because it's where people go every day and if they're seeing these things and like you said they will maybe start to take notice and it starts oh, yeah, to okay. become the norm it starts yeah. to just become a word that's in everyday yep. vocabulary yeah and and that's what's crucial because you then you're not met with these vacant stares when you say what you've got and you don't have to kind of hush be quiet about it and and stupid things like um, this, is, I mean, on some days, this illness is, is a disability and it's not, you know, doesn't count as a disability, doesn't get that kind of mm. status. And that's, you know, nine times out of 10, that's fine. But on the days where I can't stand up, it's not so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and for example, like even if I need to sit down on public transport or if I feel like I'm going to faint and that's when it's helpful to just say, look, this is endometriosis. And if people knew what that was and didn't go eh? You know, it would yeah, be more helpful it and it would hassle, yeah. make me feel, I mean, because 
you, you feel humiliated enough when you admit that you can't really, you, for, a, for a long time I couldn't even walk with this and it's quite humiliating, debilitating. You think I'm a young woman, I should be able to go out there and do things. So just, you know, having that acknowledgement that, oh, actually, okay, your pain is valid. It's yeah. just essential. Fab, Katie, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. I feel truly enlightened. <laughs> thank you very much for having me, honestly. It's just so good to be able to kind of well number one chat with you guys but also just kind of put this out there yeah and of course you have your own instagram page that you're running do you want to plug that oh in yes case anyone wants yeah. to go for some reference absolutely um we have an instagram called endo silence scotland just about ending the silence you see very, very punny i'm quite proud of myself <laughs> I love a good pun. Like <laughs> and and yeah the community is growing every day and we share stories of different people's experiences so if you have a story please do get in touch and just join the community a Week in the Weege is a Radio Clyde News production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News.